This uh, week we're going to talk about Mr. Buster Keaton, right? We're going to talk about Buster Keaton. That's right. <laughs> yep. So I actually, I actually just went back. Um, when I say go, went back, I just went and looked at his catalog and was picking out stuff. Obviously, mm-hmm. the general is super famous, so I'm leaving that one not for last, but I'm gonna watch like five to ten of his other stuff, uh, other movies first because, yeah, I don't really want to watch. I I have a feeling it's like the pinnacle of his of his content, oh, well, not content, but the the pinnacle of his 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 art, and I don't want to like. Yeah, you could say I don't want to start with I don't want to start with the peak first. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, that's that, that that that's fair. I think for a lot of, uh, well, I mean, I might be wrong about this, but for a lot of Buster Keaton aficionados, maybe the general might have been their first one. But uh, yeah, I would say save that one for last. He's done. He's done plenty of. He's done plenty of shorts. Um, but and but like the feature films. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think Seven Chances would be a good place to start. I mean, that was my first Buster Keaton. So, you know, like that really got me into, into, you know, silent film. I uh, when I first, I, I first saw that in college, my first, uh, yeah, my, was, was, was seven chances in college, uh, with cinema club. I think I've spoken about that in, um, during, in the last episodes. Um, and my, my buddy picked out seven chances. Let's see that one. And I was like, Oh, we're like, okay. All right. So first experience we, it was like, it was a riot kind of everyone enjoyed <laughs> seven chances it was, on the big screen so it was not only your first buster keaton movie but it was everybody's in the club in the yeah yeah pretty much everybody's in the club uh for my buddy it was uh, not not his first buster keaton definitely but it's one of the ones that he enjoyed and um one of the buster keaton films that he enjoyed and i think i'm learning now just based on uh feedback that i get from people I speak to on Letterboxd, it seems to be like it would be one of their, like their favorite Buster Keaton films. I'm, and I think to myself, I think like it's slowly progressing to become a top favorite Buster Keaton for, for me as well. But, you know, I I look at masterpieces like the general or even Sherlock jr. And it's like, it's really hard because I mean, I think part, part of it is just because Buster doesn't like the film himself. So it's sort of, it just tarnishes it just a bit that he doesn't like the film himself. He doesn't, he doesn't like, but se- still, se- he doesn't like Seven Chances, or he doesn't like Sherlock. He doesn't like Seven Chances. Really? What was his reason? Yeah, for that? I, he. So basically, like, I mean, I mean, Buster definitely an auteur, but it was it was a story that he just wasn't interested in. Like, it was a story that was foisted on him by the studio by uh, Joseph M. Schenk, and. He just said, you know, make a movie about this story. You know, you've got this junior partner of a brokerage firm and, you know, his firm is going downhill. At the same time, he's in love with his with this girl and uh, he's hesitated for so long to tell her that he loves her. So in a way, you know, so eventually father is going to would give him seven million dollars it was part of his will but only if he gets married by 7 p.m of his twenty seventh or even at all so he he thought okay i'll just make this for the studio and that's it i don't really want to you know talk about this film anymore it's just not my style but it turned out to be a really great 
uh, you know, a really great silent comedy. And it's it's just funny that like you know it it became a film that people ended up loving, but he doesn't love it himself. So I guess just another example of studio against filmmaker, and he had to go by the studio's orders to make the film, but he made it his own. That's interesting. So. Yeah, I mean, well, he did it that. Uh, that was my first one as well, actually. So I guess we kind of started at the yeah. same place. Just I'm a little late to the I, game. I figure. No, yeah, I know. I figured. I I thought like it might be your first silent. Right, this is your very first silent film. No, no, my first Buster Keaton movie. To be for first Buster. Keaton. Yeah, to be fair, I've only. Well, not including the three that I just watched from from uh, Keaton, uh, uh-huh. I probably saw I would say less than ten other silent films because they just weren't one. They're not available to well, when I say not fifteen to twenty years ago uh-huh. when I started getting into cinema. Those weren't being pushed on me by anybody else, and YouTube uh-huh. and other stuff like that didn't really exist. So now all this stuff, <laughs> a lot of it's on public domain. So people just post it yeah. on YouTube, and you can watch full movies i mean when we say full movies pretty like, much they're all like an hour long they're not like two hour long feature films that we think exactly. of today but uh, exactly so they're, they're really easy yeah, I, perfect exactly they're really easy yeah they're like, not at the perfect not, not 90 minutes that's the uh that, that that's your that's your style right of uh films 90 minutes 90 i mean i'll watch anything i watched uh i've watched many four hour movies not that i when I say right. many, you know, <laughs> right. ten or fifteen right. maybe, but those are sometimes they just get really, really tedious by like halfway. It depends on the mood. If if you're uh, uh-huh. if you're like watching it late at night and you're tired, you probably are distracted somehow, just not fully paying attention. So, and with these with these films, at least the ones I've seen, they're so quick you can't you can't really lose you can't really be distracted because they're like the attention span isn't a problem. It doesn't come into play. So I kind of like that. Exactly. They're very easy to consume. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're very, very very easy. You could watch if you wanted to, you could probably watch five or six of them in a day and still be under three hours. Like, and they're all different. So, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh I watched, um, they breeze by very quickly. Yeah. I watched today. I watched, uh, Sherlock jr. And cops. I'm not sure if you've seen, Uh I know you've seen Sherlock, but what about, have you seen cops? Is that that is that one of his uh, short films? Yeah, it's like eighteen minutes long, so it's really easy to get through. Eighteen minutes. Uh, I haven't seen Cops, but it is on the watch list. So I think that was something that I... I'm not sure what came first, this one or Cops. I think Cops did, and and it's like eighteen minutes and nine, maybe ha- you know half the runtimes. Him running away from this huge group of uh-huh. cops. So I don't know if that influenced this <laughs> this movie with the group of women. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, you run away from the group of cops. It's better to run away from a group of brides just trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to get hips. Yeah, so <laughs> I like the, uh, you know, you get the beginning, they give you a little exposition about the character, and then they immediately go into the story, and it's just like one gag after another, um, and then you get to the, obviously, the last set piece, Chase, which is hilarious. <laughs> I like the uh him, like, him like running yeah. away from boulders and stuff rolling down hills and I mean pretty crazy stuff. And I I will say yeah. um I'm not like a, a I'm not a uh expert in this topic but comparing him to Jackie Chan like I think Jackie uh, def- yeah Jackie definitely runs like him for some reason. Like they he just does, they, you think so? I think <laughs> they run like they, he like moves his arms the same way and I'm like I'm not I'm not sure if that's like 
because he's trying to imitate him or is it just like a subliminal not subliminal but just like in his mind like he was trying to up front in his career that he just kind of started that's how he started running i don't know i i well the the re, well i think i think if you watch jackie's career from you know so it's obviously beginning like the, the late 60s early 70s all the way up until now you kind of see the, the change in the way he sprints it, it just becomes kind of sillier because his arms start flailing about <laughs> as time goes on. And the reason why is because he's injured his, he's injured his knees so much that uh, when he runs, he can't really, I think this, I, I read this in his book, he can't really maintain the, the same balance that he used to. So when he runs, he starts running like a kid. But I guess in a way, it's sort of, you know, it doesn't really, it, it, it sort of coincides with the way Buster runs because they both run pretty silly. But it's just funny that <laughs> it's just funny. He he definitely was influenced by Buster in terms of the stunts that he pulls. Um, but it's funny that you notice the the way they run because they actually do run quite similar. However, in Jackie's case, he's not really trying to uh, pay tribute to Buster by the way he runs. It's really just because of all his injuries that he's that he's attained throughout the years, <laughs> which is why he looks silly while running. So. I think it's noticeable for someone, especially like me, just because I've watched so many damn Jackie movies at this point, like yeah, almost yeah, 50. Yeah, so, uh -huh. um, almost, yeah, yeah. I don't know if people are, you know, if someone watches three Jackie Chan movies, they might not make that connection. Um, and obviously no. you and I have talked about it, but also just reading Jackie's biography, uh, you kind of are, you're keyed into these things cause he just comes out and says it. So uh, yeah, but most right. people probably wouldn't make that connection right away. But yeah, watching so oh, yeah. many watching so many of Jackie's stunts, you can tell like just the style of stunt. It, it's definitely yeah. influenced by Buster. It is. It definitely is. And the the style of direction, it's very you know, like the stunts do take precedence, but there obviously is a story involved. So I mean, like my friend who screened uh, Seven Chances, he wasn't really a big Jackie kind of guy uh like me but when he finally watched police story uh like the first thing he told me was he directs a lot like buster i'm like yeah 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 like you watch a lot of buster films like you can kind of you can see the uh the similarities between not just in the stunts or or the, the gags but in terms of the direction uh jackie's style of directing is quite like busters quite like busters like there's just no time wasted it really is just no time wasted. And then you just get into like a really like entertaining, like, like rollicking and adventure. And, you know, it's all about him and it's, yeah, it's just, it's just really great. Yeah. I mean, I think that the style of directing of n not wasting any time, um, that mm -hmm. kind of just comes from, I think, I don't know about Buster, but for Jackie at the time in the seven, late seventies, early eighties, when he started making his own movies in Hong Kong, I, I'm assuming that just has to do with like a lack of budget. Like you can't waste time. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, he literally filmed like one scene, 4,000 times for that, uh, for, for dragon Lord. So I'm like, uh, yeah, exactly. it, it makes sense. It. But at the same time, Jackie was definitely not like Buster in terms of, uh, I think Buster was, yeah, I think Buster was like, Hey, if the shot doesn't work, we're we're just not going to do it. Um, and for Jackie, it's like I think I think Jackie's just like kind of similar, but at the same time, he's like I'm a perfectionist and I want this to be 
the way it has to be to to work out for the film. And if it's not that way, we're doing it again. And um, Mm -hmm. obviously Hong Kong studio is very much different than uh, Hollywood. Like Jackie had so much sway that he probably didn't even really have to ask too much of the crew because they'll do anything. He's freaking Jackie Chan. So like, Exactly. If they're going to work three 18 hour days in a row to get one stunt right, they're going to do it for him because it's, it's, you know, they'll do anything for Jackie, I'm sure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, hey, if I was part of the crew, even I was like dead tired and like I'm working my, I <laughs> know, working to the bone, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, like, I think that's, that, that's, that's a good way. That's a good um, observation, though. Yeah. Cause I mean, there definitely were still limits back in the day of old Hollywood. And I think, it, I don't know, like, I might be wrong about this, but it seems like with Buster, when Buster wanted to do something, they just did it. And they, with Jackie, you always hear stories about him really perfecting a scene when it comes to fighting, when it comes to stunts. And, you know, all the money is just, you know, getting wasted. But with Buster, I think the same thing happened with him, too, where he was using up a lot of the studio money, but not not to the degree that Jackie uh, did, really. Buster, there was more more so of an efficiency. And I think when you compare him to, say, you know, like other silent comedy stars like Charlie Chaplin or uh, Harold Lloyd, he probably wasn't much of a perfectionist as much as as like, you know, to the degree that Charlie Chaplin was, because Charlie Chaplin would actually, I think, utilize uh, repetition so much. And I think he probably used up a lot more studio uh, studio dollars than Buster did. But Buster, I don't know. Like the, the the I had a conversation about this with an, another friend of mine as to silent film stars, and I don't know. It, it's it, it's it's difficult because I love I love all three. I, I I like Charlie Chaplin. I love Harold Lloyd, and uh, I love Buster Keaton. For some reason, you know, Buster Keaton sort of takes the cake for me. I'm not sure just because, you know, there's the influence on Jackie, but uh, Buster, I don't know. There's just something about Buster. There's something about the deadpan face that I enjoy. And every single uh, every single situation that he's in, whether, you know, it should garner a reaction. He doesn't move his face at all, really. (laughs) So I think there's like there's a there's a sort of charm that just emanates from that. Just keep the deadpan look. And it's just it's just really funny. It's just really funny. (laughs) Great stone face for a reason, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was actually reading one of your reviews and the, and the stunts too yeah yeah I was, oh, yeah I was reading one of your reviews on on letterbox um mm-hmm. i forget which one if it was for this movie or for sherlock but it was something about oh, the, the art of, of uh the art of uh, what's the word the facial expression like the pantomime or something what was that um blanking but basically it was alluding to the whole f- uh facial expression the thing uh, someone saying that it was uh, like going to be a lost art, and Buster was like, "What are you talking about? It's 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 a natural thing that everyone possesses, so it's never going to be oh, a lost art." Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, so it, it's Buster's quote saying they say quote pantom they say pan- pantomimes a lost art. It's never been a lost art, and never will be because it's too natural to do. Exactly, and. I think that's very true, especially in real life, because I feel like I'm becoming more deadpan as I get older because of how it's anyway. <laughs> but Bizarre. yeah, he, he he is right. Yeah, I mean, 
sometimes you just gotta grin and bear it, right? Or in his in Buster's case, just stale face, like <laughs> just turn around. <laughs> the the situations he gets in are pretty. Yeah, in this movie, in Seven Chances, yeah. like the whole bit with like when they go to the, I think it's a country club, and they go in and they're like looking for the women, and they're all in there, like, and at at one point somebody makes fun of him, and like they're all, they're all like the whole room's laughing at him, and he just like walks away, just like not even making a face. It's so great. It's it's just great. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't think there there's any. I mean, yeah, there are people who i mean there are comics there there are actors who can tan pretty well to be honest i can't really name them off the top of my head at the moment i mean i think really it's because like they try to like they they, they try to uh use uh the same sort of technique but it's just not natural enough i don't think it's just that it's natural enough it, it almost it's almost done to just stand out in a way whereas with buster it's he just does it he, it, it's just sort of become a part of his uh that's just kind of his persona and you look at him in different interviews you look at him in different uh there's that link that he sent me i wasn't able to see the whole thing but it's an older buster and you it's like his face hasn't changed at all so it's really funny to see it's like he's you've been like that for all these years <laughs> but it's it's just so funny to see you don't really see him smile you don't really it's just a simple like stale deadpan stones i don't know there's just something about it that i like yeah and that one i sent you it was a uh it was a tv show from the 50s called um what's my line and yeah like the yeah you're saying the avatar yeah it does look funny it just looks looks just like i'm just older but yeah i was also watching another clip interview another tv you know another tv show from the 50s or early 60s and like the guy does not smile ever. It's kind of un- ever. It's un- it's uncanny. <laughs> and like I don't know, any- it is. I-, I don't know much about him. I haven't read any bi- biographies or like, you know this this mm-hmm. this last weekend. But this is really the first time, besides knowing that Jackie and a lot of other people had him as an influence for physical comedy. Other than that, I don't know much about yeah. him. So like, it'd be interesting to see if like the dude had a like hard growing up or. You know, I don't well, know if something ever happened to him, or I, I don't know. Well, okay, so this is something that I that I really wish that I reviewed um, before this, but I I do remember when we when we screened Seven Chances in college on the big screen. My like I I I had I did ask my friend uh, who whose idea it was to screen the movie. How does he keep the deadpan look? And from what I know, I I just know that Buster grew up in a very uh, well, not I, it was quite a dysfunctional family, I believe, but they were a family of entertainers. Like, they, you know, they 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 did vaudeville, so it would always be performing, and there were always moments where Buster would be tossed around by his dad. So he was already performing these stunts uh, since he was a, since he was a child, and I think naturally, I, I think his dad was part of the influence as to why he kept a stone face. I think I think if I remember what my friend told me, his uh buster's father told him just you know like maintain this sort of face it's just twice as funnier and i think he sort of kept that throughout his life i might be wrong about that but i'm just telling you what i remember so i think yeah i think his father was an influence on his uh you know the character that put out there for audiences that's why he that's why he's known for being such a you know the stone-faced comedian (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean that makes sense, and it's so interesting. I did, yeah. yeah. He did in the interview that I had just seen a few hours, you know, a couple hours yeah. ago. He mentioned like, yeah, my first, you know, whatever screen credit was like, I think he said, I think he said it was in eighteen ninety nine. So he was like four or five. <laughs> like that's why. Yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is right. It is. Gosh. So, uh, but we were. Oh yeah. Go no, on. You, no, you go ahead. Oh no! I was just going to ask you because you, uh, you said this was your very first Buster Keaton film. Yeah, technically not, only because I think uh, he has a. I don't think he has a part in it. I think they show one of his movies, maybe in Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. right? Oh, okay. okay. But I, that, I don't count. So. I don't count. I don't count that. You don't count that. So yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my that. first one. <laughs> uh huh. Um, um so okay. all, right. all right i was i was thoroughly impressed i i really didn't know what to Let's expect oh yeah now I'm you gonna, want to watch more <laughs> uh, i'm gonna watch as many as i can um oh all right man yeah you might beat me to it because i've got a lot of buster shorts to get through cops being one of them yeah that's on there i think is uh, there is another uh, comedian that he's collaborated with in these shorts named uh, Roscoe Arbuckle, known as Fatty Arbuckle among uh, fans. But I'm uh, is he in Cop? I'm not even uh, I'm not even sure. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's a very well. He's not in the screen. He's not. In the, he's not in the screen credits on um on Letterbox, but that doesn't mean he's not in it. But it's okay. I don't think so. There is a. Uh, there was a guy I saw in a couple of clips they were showing in one of the interviews I was watching because um, it was like a just an audio interview. And he it, it seemed that he was in a lot of uh, it seems like Buster used a lot of the same actors in his movies. So he did. He, he did. Yeah, I believe so. But, um, no, mm-hmm. not that guy was not in that one. I don't think. Oh, OK, OK. Yeah, well, I got to check it out because, I mean. I think well, a Buster his filmography is vast. I think he's more short than feature films, but you know that there sadly came a time where you know, of course, like the talkies made their way to, into the forefront, and then you know, silent comedy was sort of dying away. And I think it got to the point where he had to follow studios' orders, and he sort of well, I mean, like I think this was this was a move that even a chaplain a chaplain advised him don't do this to yourself like don't you know stay independent don't sell out to a studio and i think it got to a point where buster was desperate and to basically give up everything and work for a studio instead of working for himself and it sort of brought his career downhill and that's kind of the sad thing i just feel that maybe buster would have been he is great he is successful but i think he didn't reach the heights that Chaplin, uh, that Chaplin did. Well, not many people. I think that only was... only hardcore cinephiles talk about Buster Keaton. Like, I don't. Yeah, everyone yeah. knows who freaking Charlie Chaplin is. Like, if you go ask, exactly, like, it's really annoying. It's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of people that get kind of get buried in cinema history just because they. Yeah, it's all about like the pop mainstream like consciousness of. Exactly. Do people think of you like exactly. when people think of silent era movies? I'm sure they think of D.W. Griffith and like Charlie Chaplin, like those two like names. Just, yeah, everyone's like, oh, we gotta watch all those movies from those guys. It's like, well, I'm sure there's probably <laughs> another two dozen filmmakers from that time that deserve just as much attention. 
and they just don't get it. And 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 pop and possibly probably stand out a lot more than than the filmmakers that you mentioned yeah, yeah. i think i think really yeah because I, I i honestly like th- there's something about buster that i like more more than chaplin chaplin has done a lot of you know great silent comedies like you know like city lights or you know you say like or modern times but there's something about buster's work that grabs me for some reason and i can't really pinpoint as to what that is i mean i, I already mentioned his just like his stone faced personality, kind of like that dichotomy juxtaposed, you know, juxtaposed with all the insane stunts and gags that he pulls off. If there's something about it that's that just me. Whereas, you know, Chaplin, okay, you know, it gets to a point where he starts preaching to the crowd and maybe it worked for that time. But you know, I saw the great uh, I saw the great dictator, what was it, maybe two years ago. Not as great as everybody says. It's no. No, I I can't really can't really get behind that um, uh not chaplin's work didn't really grab me upon first watch the way that buster's work grabbed me upon first watch so you know i guess like the, there's just something about that that i i think myself still kind of have to analyze but um there was also a there's an article to me by my friend about uh written by james agee this was around circa 1949 where he talks of what is called uh comedy's greatest era and he he includes chaplin he includes buster keaton he includes harold he, he includes like, these stars of the silent comedy era that whereas you know you look at comedy nowadays and comedy well frankly it sucks right obviously i think i think I, I think comedies i think comedy has basically gone downhill since like early 90s and early 90s, there's definitely 90s, yeah. there, there's definitely gonna be so many different reasons to why um but <laughs> you know i guess you could name people like judd apatow and people like that that make those stupid yeah. bro, bro movies that are just like bro. again you've you seen yeah. one you've seen them all they're not that funny Pretty but, much, yeah. but, but that's Pretty hollywood i mean i can't speak to like that is hollywood i can't speak to comedies from like other countries like i know hong kong comedies like obviously just as an example <laughs> are going to be much different than um than hollywood or just japanese or any, any type of asian cinema i mean european movies i don't even think they i couldn't besides like a couple of of like english famous english films uh you know comedies uh i can't really think of any off the top of my head other than you know american movies because that's just what that's they shove that down our throats uh, over here so um pretty much but yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah to much. answer your question pretty in a very roundabout long ass dumb dumb ass answer yes uh i think yeah. comedy has definitely gone downhill and yeah most of my really favorite has. most of my favorite comedies are from before the you know 80s or before like, 80s or before, like that's uh, that's exactly comedy back then was you know just unrestrained and you know unpaced. But I think uh, going back to like I'll link that article sometime. But James Agee's article, "Comedy's Greatest Era," where you know you look at it now and it gets to a point where people are trying to. Well, I guess like the first phase to be fair is people are trying to look for the line, like the most clever thing to say and be funny, and 
And then it, you take it to nowadays where comedy is basically trying to cater to the crowd and trying to cater to the one being so moral and stuff. So, you know, you take, in, you take into account, uh, you know, shows like SNL or well, SNL is not what it used to be. Uh, or you take into account, yeah, we're pretty much all of these comedies or all of these rom-coms. They're just not funny. But when you look at uh, when you look at silent comedy, comedy's greatest era, there is a challenge there where you don't use the written word. You don't use you know you don't use verbiage to try to generate laughs out of audiences. You 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 use human movement. It's human movement. It's human expression. It's just like you know the face. Like there's something challenging about that. But also, there's something so natural about it that it can pretty much bring everyone together in a way. So I think like what what Buster does or what Harold Lloyd does or what, what uh, or what, you know, Chaplin does, even though I just kind of like, you know, <laughs> really bashed him. But I, I just said that I don't think I, I didn't think his movies were they grabbed me on very much. But there's something challenging about what they do. And uh, the kind of entertainment value that they bring just by what they, how they act on screen, what they do on screen, all these stunts that they pull, all the, the, the faces that they make, or the little they make as per Buster. But there's something about that that's, I think, challenging and more, you know, there's something more substantial about that when you compare it to comedy of nowadays, where you're really just trying to cater to the crowd or just try to satisfy, you know, those who think they're moral, their uh, desires for what they think about the world. This was something that was, uh, you know, interesting to me. And I think, like, these kinds of films, people might not even agree. I think they won't agree. But I think that they are pretty timeless, if you ask me. I mean, I I think think there's, you know, a lot there's... Well, I, I group from for me, it's two different groups of people. There's the people like us who go in out of our way to find movies that are older or just movies that yeah. are not mainstream and, and check them out because, you know, they're there to, to they're, they're literally there for that purpose. And there's other people that mm-hmm. they will only watch movies in 2022. And then next year, they're going to watch the ones that from 2023 and like, they'll go back and watch their favorites that are older, but they're never going to like actually go out of their comfort zone and and try to find something that might surprise them. Um, I know, I know. Exactly. I got, I got a friend who, and she, uh, you know, I think she knows, she makes fun of me for liking older movies and all these old black and white films. And the one time she said to me, like, black and white movies are boring. I'm like, are you... Jeez, okay, I'm gonna have to. Sh- <laughs> yeah, I mean, this... it's just really annoying. It's like, come on. Well, it's uh, it's just out of ignorance because they don't know. Like, yeah, when you watch, like, they don't I watch. Know. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, I watched this this movie from literally yeah. what is it? Yeah, 97 years ago or whatever. And it's like this uh-huh. is funnier uh-huh. than like half the half the comedies I've ever. You know, it's in the top 50 percent already, and it's it's crazy. Uh-huh. It's crazy how how much stuff has changed. And I, I, I mean, there's obviously cultural and, and societal reasons to why comedy has changed so much, but I mean, obviously, course, obviously yeah. the biggest one in my, in my opinion would just be the, the just not trying to piss people off. And that's like com- yeah, comedies. Yeah. Again, again, there's the type of comedy exactly. that is like that, where you're making fun of people at their expense and that's usually not 
I don't think that's going to be in silent films really. Cause back then movies were still so, so new that you could just rely on physical comedy cause no one's seen anything, seen anything like that yet. So um, yeah. 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 And obviously there's a lot of physical comedy that came out after the, you know, in the, I guess whenever the talkie started late, late twenties, early thirties, like again, I, I, I don't know if I've, <laughs> mention it to you on the show probably not but in person I, you know in our conversations before film uh, before a recording um I'm, yeah i think i told you that i like the three stooges a lot i mean i grew up on them oh yeah stuff like that yeah, i mean yeah. I, I didn't really watch them much but i know a lot of people like um laurel and hardy and uh abbott yeah, and costello uh, marx brothers marx brothers I, i've not seen one marx brothers, brothers yeah. not seen one of theirs um I've I've only seen Duck Soup. Uh, I I need to see more. Uh, yeah, Marks I wouldn't Brothers mind. Films, we could co- I, we could maybe cover cover one. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, um, yeah. for sure. But yeah. again, like Definitely. there's so many people that made these these comedic films back in the day that didn't have to rely mm-hmm. on like what people thought because people didn't know what to think yet. And now audiences audiences are you know, in my opinion, told what to think. Like, if you don't agree with uh-huh. the mainstream topic of the day, if you don't agree with our opinions, like, you're you're a bad person or you're just stupid or you don't know what you're, you know, whatever. Like, they just want to... Right. They, they just want to dismiss you and you're like, you're not in the conversation. Go away. Like... Exactly. Ex- exactly. Or... Exactly. Yeah, or even worse and canceling people and all that. But that's... We're not going to... That's a different topic. But... um. <laughs> Of course, yeah. Now we could even talk about like what people say about Seven Chances because there are things in there where people are, you know, they can't really, they can't help themselves but mention it. But you know, it's not, it's well, an element of the film, but well, it's not an important you, element. Of what it. are you talking about? The the uh, the one. Well, of the, talk about blackface. Yeah, I was gonna say the one, the one of the characters. Yeah. Uh yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. I it, it's it is what it is. These people. A hundred years. These people, a hundred years ago. This is nineteen twenty-five. Yeah, they made yeah, these decisions. Yeah, they made these decisions, <laughs> and you live with it, and you just watch it, and it it goes away. It's not a big deal. Like, obviously, exactly. doing it I now mean, is a lot different. <laughs> and it's, I don't care, honestly. You know, it's like no, you, you, I don't care you, either. Yeah, I, I don't care either. You, but the thing is, there's literally movies in the last ten years, or not ten. Uh, 2008 so whatever 14 years ago uh uh-huh. Trop- tropic thunder had blackface in it and no one cares about that i mean they probably do now no but... one cares about that they yeah. probably definitely do now but oh, no one do. cared about that and also it was it was sort of like it was a satire on, on the arrow as well so it, it 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 worked and when i saw that in theaters and that was 2008 yeah 2008 it, the whole theater was howling with laughter the whole theater loved uh loved that movie and even you know we we spoke about what I was gonna say. Here's the reality: if you showed that movie in a theater now, yeah. people are still gonna laugh. I mean, it, it's oh yeah, the of YouTube course, of course. YouTube comment and Twitter conversations aren't don't represent real life. I mean, that's just the reality. No, of course not. Of, uh, of course, yeah, no. Twitter is the w- where you can go to go ahead and preach because it's so easy to do so. <laughs> but you know, speaking of like th- this kind of topic i mean we you, you brought up dw griffith uh, a while back and i you know I, i've been meaning to watch uh, some of his films but he's had he has that film called broken blossoms which utilizes yellow face and uh maybe the audience doesn't know but i'm asian and there's also wait a, what you a are my frank 
oh no yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> I, 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 stop the show i can't do this anymore <laughs> <laughs> exactly right uh we got some people tuning out now they don't know if i'm serious or not yeah. no um, yeah <laughs> but no the, the, they're that film and there's also a film by one of my favorite directors ever frank capro which i think yeah it, we, we gotta get you in support some frank capro as well right ben i mean yeah i've only seen a few um yeah so the, the, there's a film there's one with the, there's yet. one with yellow face there, there is the, there's a, there's one uh the bitter sea general yen starring this is partly also why I want to get it, not just because of, well, why I want to see it, not just because of Frank Capra, but because of Barbara Stanwyck. Oh, uh, oh you, you're going to plug, yes. you're going to, you're going to plug her every chance you get on this podcast. Like, we got to watch Barbara Stanwyck movies. Did I, I think I, I didn't name drop her on the last episode. I think I did. Maybe. I, I don't, I, did. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe I did. Maybe I did. But anyway, yeah, yeah. But the bitter tea of General Yen utilizes yellow face. Uh, okay. Do I still want to see it? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't care. What year? Think, what year on. was that? That was nineteen. You know, twenty something. Quite sure. I'm no. I think it might be the nineteen thirties. Okay. Whatever. Uh, I'm all my my point is in like breakfasting breakfast at Tiffany's. They had yellow face, and that was in like nineteen sixty whatever one or exactly. two. It's like yeah, and no one and no one yeah. cares about that because oh, it's Audrey Hepburn in it. Audrey Hepburn's in it, so it can't be bad or what you know, whatever bullshit, dude, whatever bullshit excuse they're gonna that's give. Funny. Dude, I totally forgot that Mickey Rooney was playing a Japanese guy in that film. I totally yeah, I've never, that. as I said in the last episode, I've never seen the movie, but I've seen the clips of them, like of him in that character, and I'm just like, I, it doesn't offend me, but I'm like, damn, that's pretty. Like it, it's 1960. Like by that point, civil yeah. right, the civil rights stuff's going on. Like I'm surprised that they got away with that, but um, it, again, it, it, that doesn't bother right. me though because it didn't offend me either. I mean, it, it didn't offend me either. I just no. I mean, it, there's been so many examples. There's so many examples of it, like in in re, in more recent films. Exactly. Well, look, there's even another film called uh, the Flower Drum Song. Uh, and you know, it, it's a pre predominantly an Asian American cast, but there is one actress and she, she's, she's African American. She plays a, she plays a Chinese uh, character and as her name is Juanita Hall. She plays a Chinese character. Uh, I didn't mind that. I thought, I thought she did good. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. You know, like I, it's like, you know, people, people again, like what, 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 like, Oh yeah. Go on. Sorry. No, I was just saying I would never, ever, ever picture a black actress getting away with playing an Asian person. But, I mean, I just looked up a picture yeah. of her. I looked up a picture but, of her, and she looks... Uh, she looks I mean, Asian, she's... Right? Oh, she's Well, she's 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 a uh, half African-American, half white. So, maybe she just had the exact... Oh, okay. The exact mix of genes to, like, look any race she wants to, to be Asian. she can she can play any race she wants because she's got like yeah all the features but yeah i mean I, if you look up pictures, exactly you look up pictures of her on the internet and i can see it i can see it, it happening and i i actually i can see people watching that movie in the theaters then and watching it now and not knowing that she's not asian exactly so. yeah i know I and it doesn't I matter i mean again it doesn't matter it'd be no. pretty it'd be pretty I just believe in It'd be pretty blatant if you had 
you're trying to have a white person play a black person, but I mean, again, that's not that's typically story, that typically yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> exactly. If people exactly, do that, yeah. they're if their people do that, you you already know they're whatever they're making is kind of bizarre. Just exactly, but whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like you know, I thought that she was talented. I mean, I wonder, like, I don't, I don't remember hearing any stories about the uh, production of that film and uh, the Asian American cast being against her playing this character. But you know, I'm also, I'm also of the mentality, like you know, you get who you think is right for the job, and I guess she happened to be right for the job. So there you go. You know, I mean, there might be more more intricate matters at hand, but, you know, hey, the film was already made. Let's, you know, let's see if we enjoy it. I can't I, I can't hold a grudge and say, oh, my gosh, it should... no, come on, just give me a break with that stuff. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, I, I think the reality is and people just need to get over the fact that, like, acting is literally acting. It's not real life. Exactly. So it's like. It's not. And now they're doing exactly, this whole thing yeah. where, like, if a character is a, let's say, a quadriplegic, people are getting, yeah. up, some people are getting up in arms, like, if you're not using someone who actually is a quadriplegic, that's that's wrong. And I'm like, that's like, wrong. What yeah, happens if you, was. what happens if you're looking for, like, a six foot five guy, 200, you, you just, you have these specific parameters. It's like, this person doesn't exist in real life. We literally have to make someone act as this person because. <laughs> We're trying to tell a story in a certain, you know, for whatever reason, we need this type of person to look this certain way. I mean, Jesus, the 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 the, yeah. the film, the whole thing about cinema is it's a visual experience. Like this, they need a certain look, yeah. and if they don't have that look, we can't use them. I'm sorry, but again, exactly we're, tangent. Exactly. But I'm just, it's yeah. just crazy. No, 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 no. It's fine because, like, I mean, like, I, I see these reviews about, you know, about this same kind of topic, uh, seven about Buster's seven chances, and people seem to not. Well, I don't know about a lot of people, but I see reviews. Reviews, I say with air quotes, because they're not really reviews; they're just one-liners or two-liners about, like, oh, the racism. But you know, <laughs> you 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 look at this and you don't take into account the times of, uh, you know, uh, in which this movie is set. So they kind of forget about the substance of the story. And the substance of the story is about, you know, about when it comes to Seven Chances, it's about a young man who, you know, wants to profess his love to a girl, but he keeps hesitating. And it's to a point where, uh, well, I, I mentioned this before, he works for a, for a brokerage firm, and that firm is going into financial ruin. However, a lawyer comes in and says, Oh, says that he is to inherit seven million dollars from his grandfather according to his grandfather's will. So hey, that that seven million dollars can be used to save the law firm. However, the stipulations are that he gets married by the time that he's twenty-seven on his birthday. SM. He married yet, so who who should he marry? It should be the girl that he's been trying to profess his love to. And the way the story uh you know, transpires like it, it just so happens that, uh, you know, eventually, like, okay, the, of course, the girl wants to marry him and she says yes, but the I don't want to tr- like get into the whole thing because you know it'd be it'd be great for, for people to watch, but there is, uh, she thinks that she begins to think that he's he wants to marry her out of his, out of pure selfishness because you know he's going to get seven million dollars if he marries her 
However, that's not the reason why he wants to marry her. He truly wants to marry her because he loves her. And, you know, because of that, he gets $7 million to save his law firm. It, the way it all coincides is actually kind of beautiful when you think about it. And I think people just kind of miss the entire point because they're so fixated on aestheticers like blackface and they're so, uh, yeah, they're, all this they're, kind they're of so, thing. They're so focused on like literally 30 seconds of a 40-minute movie. It's like exactly you're missing like you're like why are you even watching movies at this point just go get go be mad somewhere else exactly (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. if you want to be mad for the rest of your life you know you it's okay that's all right you uh, i'll leave that to you you know you go do that (laughs) yeah i mean if you want to go you know if you want to be mad just just go throw on msnbc and watch that for eight hours like exactly or cnn that's fine you know (laughs) any i mean any it's all it's all yeah, it's all just made up, generated uh, anger for no reason. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, all of that, you know, because of that, people just miss the value. They kind of miss the substance in it. And that that's part of why, like what I mentioned about Buster not liking his own film. I, I just wonder, how come? Because, I mean, the story is actually quite nice. It's a, it's actually a, it's a, it's, it's, re- it's a really nice story. And there's a line uh, there because I mean, what Buster plays a character named Jimmy Shannon, and the girl that he's in love with, who he's going to marry, is named Mary. And I, I love how <laughs> I, I love that about this movie because it's like you know you must get married at by seven p.m. of your twenty seventh birthday, and then he's marrying a girl named Mary. It's like there's 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 so many like what do you call it? similarities, but I think there's another term for it. But it, I just find that to be kind of funny. Um, just puns, isn't that just the, kind of a pun? Yeah, like pun yeah puns okay i'm having a brain fart right now yeah puns. Yeah, well, <laughs> i have plenty of those but, so it's okay uh, <laughs> but but yeah i mean uh it comes to a point okay spoilers but really quickly um spo- yeah spoiler alert but you know jimmy thinks that he's failed after after all the stunts after being chased by a bunch of these women who are dying to get hitched uh after failing at seven chances of with seven proposals of women who've just rejected him and laughed at him after he asked them to marry him. Uh, and this is after uh, Mary thinks that he's only marrying her for the money. Um, but, you know, after that whole thing, after being chased by the bowlers, which are made by paper machés, by the way, I think like, I think uh, to make it more entertaining, Buster, you know, honed in on, uh, on that chase with the boulders and it just yeah it's just such a great uh pro- before indiana jones got chased by like that one boulder in raiders <laughs> it was jimmy shannon who was getting chased by a ton of boulders down a hill and by all these women so i think that that's just really funny to see um but it gets to a point where uh he he finally was wedding after all the shenanigans and he thinks that he missed out because he thinks that it's already past 7 p.m. by the time he gets there. So then, you know, his his law firm partner thinks that he failed. Everyone thinks that he failed. And Mary asks him, and we're not going to be married? And Jimmy goes, well, no, Mary goes on and says, but don't you think we'll be happy without the money? And then Jimmy responds, Mary, there's nothing before me but failure and disgrace, and you mean too much to me to share it. And it's like, ooh, like no, the, just, it's a silent film, but the way it's acted and the way it, the way it's delivered, I, I think, man, that's really cool. And but then, of course, happy ending, 
it's not 7 p.m. It's not past 7 p.m. yet. It's like minutes or maybe a minute before 7 p.m. And so they get married. And then, you know, the money goes to the law firm. He saves his job. He, he saves his career. And finally, he's able to profess his love for the girl. And it's like, OK, you know, it, I it's not often you get a story that is delivered so simply. And so, you know, I guess maybe like people won't, won't think so. But I think it's a pretty magnificent way to to, to deliver how, you know, How's how just one man wins and it's it's cool. It's I think it's cool. Yeah. I mean I it was great. I really yeah. enjoyed it's, it and obviously I mean yeah. the, the whole the whole time of being seven PM on his birthday, uh yeah. the, the gag with the 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 clocks being wrong, because that was used more than once in the film, it's pretty funny. It was um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like yeah, that that one yeah, he goes into like a clock shop at one point, and none of the, all the clocks have a different time. Exactly. And he's like, "What the hell? What time is it?" <laughs> it's okay. And then um, the, and the clockmaker, he can't even get his watch to work, and it's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, he just walks out. It's so great. Um, yeah, it's ironic. Like of all places, you can't <laughs> you can't get the right time at a clock place. It's so funny. Yeah, oh, I mean, gosh. well, yeah, it, the whole the whole movie is so uh, such a simple. I mean, you could make yeah. this you could make this movie take out all the Buster Keaton crazy stunt stuff and mm-hmm. it, you can make it a probably five to ten minute movie it, it, the story is so mm-hmm. simple it's just it's very you know obviously he makes it very intricate with all the gags and and physical humor mm-hmm. and his stunts that oh yeah i mean that's really oh, yeah. the whole reason for the movie and uh the the uh rocks like when he's running down when he's running away from the women and he's going down that hill and the rocks are like all yeah. going uh falling after him because he's dislodged them or whatever. Right. Did you know that that actually right. that scene um, like he showed it, I guess did a test showing and people really thought that was yeah. funny. And then he went yeah. and, and reshot because uh, those rocks were real and he had, he wanted to get like huge rocks in there made out of paper mache and stuff. So <laughs> I thought that was, yeah. So he went back and added more scenes. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's really, see the thing is he like, he saw what the audience liked and he gave them what they wanted exactly exactly yeah so i think like right there like that that that's like you know that, that's a mark of a uh you know a filmmaker who cares and i don't think you get many of those nowadays so like you know e- even though buster didn't like this film which is you know sad but he he went in and did the still did the best he could and he delivered on it so i think eventually you know as time goes on uh i, I can consider this like one of my it, it is a top buster flick for me but, you know, when I take into account other films like, say, The, the General, of course, which we mentioned, or Sherlock Jr., which is great, um, and uh, Steamboat Bill Jr., uh, you can still see that there is a passion there from Buster that he really wanted to make this movie. Whereas with Seven Chances, I think it's there. I, I think it definitely is there. But you can kind of see that, oh, okay, well, uh, I guess I could kind of see why, but it still kind of hits that level where he did deliver on what he uh, on, on what he originally set out to do. So yeah, seven chances is great. And I, I think I, really for, yeah. yeah, I just, I wouldn't even even known if you wouldn't have told me that he didn't like this movie. Like I thought it was like, Oh, you wouldn't No, well, you wouldn't it, have known. It was my first yeah. one. And yeah, <laughs> I watching it. I'm like, this is good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I, I'm just, I got the, uh, the IMDb trivia page up, and I didn't realize that. Um, I have it up too. <laughs> he, yeah, um, Buster, like tried to prevent them from re- restoring the film because he he didn't like it that much. Like that's pretty crazy. Exactly. Like, I'm like, what it, are you that doing? Is crazy, right? Like, it, it was that good. Is crazy. Like, why would you like no, destroy yeah. the film? 
I guess like, you know, looking, uh, looking back at, uh, cause you know, like, well, when I was in college, I was studying animation and then, you know, we worked on projects and I'm sure that there are projects where I'll, I'll, I'll look back on it and I'll think, Oh my gosh, why did I do that? And then others would probably go, no, 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 that's good. And then I'd end up disagreeing with them. So I guess like I kind of get the, uh, uh, the sentiment there, but to actually prevent someone from restoring a film that you made it, I, I don't think I'd go that far. I'd be like, well, that's really sweet of you. It's like, you know, but with Buster, yeah, man, he really didn't want to get this uh, film restored. Um, who knows, could this be, uh, if they get the rights, could Criterion restore? Because they've only restored one film that he made, and that was after his heyday, I think. It's called The Cameraman. I think The Cameraman came out after his heyday with uh, The General and Steamboat Bill Jr., Sherlock Jr., st- stuff like that. Really? Um, so, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, to go back to what you said about, um, basically, you said that his his studio he kind of get got rid of his own uh buster got rid of his own studio and went with like other people is that correct yeah I, I need so to, he I went to go work for the other studios right yeah I, I need to do more research on that but i uh, from what i know buster uh he basically yeah he he didn't go oh he, here it is here it is okay so basically he, his career went downhill after he signed with mgm so he lost his artistic independence like the stuff that he wanted to do like all the gags and stunts all his all of his ideas basically got hampered down when he joined mgm and i believe i read a uh, I, I did read somewhere that Chaplin was advising him not to do that and he still went with it anyway so i wonder why he uh, went with it I don't know, honestly. Wait, I think it they, got to a point where they just like, like offer him too much money. I, I mean, I feel like it. I think when I feel like in this, in this, you know, this is just me. But if you're that successful by yourself, why would you give that up? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's for I the think, money. I think he was going through hard times because it, it got to a point where. So I'm I'm just skimming this through wikipedia so i'm not sure if it could be trusted but as far as i know he did three uh features that didn't it it fell short of expectations like they weren't they weren't box office hits so i think he it, it just got to a point where he uh you know the producer uh made a deal with him and said you know let's bring you to mgm sign with mgm and uh you know, we'll, we'll take care of you. And, but then, you know, at that point, he basically gave up his independence by signing with a studio. And so it wasn't just Charlie Chaplin who advised him against this. It was also Harold Lloyd, uh, famous, famous for safety last, the freshman, which I, I think you're going to enjoy those, those films a lot, by the way. Um, have not, but yeah, I, I know who they, he is. Haven't seen his either, but Safety Last, The Freshman, uh, Grandma's Boys. They're, they're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Safety Last might, will, might be one of my favorite. And no, it, it is one of my favorite silent comedies ever. Um, but but yeah, um, that that was what happened to Buster. And apparently The Cameraman, so that's 1928. That was the first of uh, Buster's MGM films. And I think Buster had trouble making that film because that was when he realized, oh, I can't do anything that I wanted to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of unfortunate. It's pretty it's it's pretty sad what happened to him. Yeah, I mean, um, that happens to a lot of people. They they chew you up and they does, spit yeah. you out. 
Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I, I need to I need to look up more of this because I think like the, there are some interesting topics that we could cover when we, we talk more about Buster Keaton if we review. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what they did. Fin- like, that's a similar, almost <laughs> almost a, like exact same story from my understanding of what happened to the Three Stooges. Like they literally, yeah, they yeah. basically died like broke, and they were. Oh, that's so. Funny. And they and they weren't even yeah. like. I think they were like, if you look at them, they look like, you know, yeah. really old, but I'm pretty sure they died their late sixties. Like they just lived hard. They probably got paid per movie, like, and just went out and spent it drinking, doing dumb stuff. And, uh, oh my God. I don't think they had, well, they weren't really, I don't think they were super educated guys. So I, th- they, I think they just got taken advantage of by studios. That really but, sucks. Wow. Yeah. To, it's, yeah. It's unfortunate, but to switch it to a more positive note, I did just right. dr- drop you the poster for the general. I love how uh, Letterbox, lets, it, yeah, it lets you change the posters. Uh, the Japanese ones for for Buster's films are hilarious. I'm gonna change them all. I love so, this. One. Oh my gosh, I love this now, one. Now I want to watch this. Is this. Great. Yeah. Oh uh, no, nah. <laughs> man. Wait, wait. Hang on. This is for Letterbox Pro, right? For pa- yeah, the patron tier. Yeah, patron tier. It's, I mean, you guys are just trying to entice me to do this, you know. It's like, man, change my poster. It's like, okay, yeah, cool, but it's, ah, uh, man, yeah, these, yeah, these spend, are cool posters. Spend more money. Yeah, spend more money, and you can change your poster. Ah, uh, you guys suck. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, that's what one of the features that I actually enjoy that they added recently. But uh, I dig, I digress. But yeah, I mean, no. Highly recommend this this movie. I I did give it a eight out of ten on in my re- yeah my rating. Uh, which again we're I guess we're doing a, our rating system. Uh, I think this is the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking oh, about okay. it. Actually, we the la- in the last episode. Uh, for charade, I never said I. I think I said something like, "Yeah, I rated it a seven out of ten, but I changed my rating." And <laughs> and then I never ever said what my next rating was, which that oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yes so you brought it up. So yeah, that was an. I, I raised it to an eight as well. Eight out of ten. Yeah, eight as well. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, seven chances. Uh, I think eventually I'll turn it into a uh, into a ten out of ten. Right now it's a four and a half out okay. of five stars. Yeah. But I, I think I think it, it it will raise it. I don't know why I keep it that way, keep it there, but mainly I think it's just because you know when it comes to a filmmaker who sort of uh, like like just doesn't like his film, his own film. I think maybe it affects it just a little bit. But um, oh, I still love this movie. Seven Chances is great, and I think that for anyone who is trying to uh, delve into the silent comedy era, I think it it'd be a nice place to start. Uh, Seven Chances, nineteen twenty-five, but by Buster Keaton would be a really nice place to start. Yeah, and then from there you can, yeah, from there explore the rest of Buster's shorts that he did with uh, uh, Roscoe, Ar- also known as Fatty Arbuckle. Um, and there's a contra- controversy surrounding him, but we can talk about that next time. Well, really, uh, um, and now yeah, just, is it not worth getting into because it's okay. long? Well, it, you it don't have to spoil long, it. Yeah, it is- no, basically, he was accused of the rape and murder of a certain actress, and Buster went in and pinned him, and he was acquitted of all charges. But you know, the, 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 there is like it's another kind of a sad story with Roscoe. Um, but Roscoe and Buster were really good friends, and they worked, they collaborated on a lot of these shorts, and and yeah, this is just like an interesting piece of like you know Hollywood. Uh, 
stupid you know shenanigans not really shenanigans that's serious stuff but um but you know it's, it's kind of a nice story of a friend defending another friend and saving him from you know from further persecution so yeah yeah, yeah that's 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 uh, yeah. those are never good situations they're not no they're not and yeah roscoe was uh was deemed innocent by the court by the court and i think i think people already knew that he was quite innocent but because of the whole fiasco and how that happened it sort of overshadowed his career and uh, his movies and his work and people whenever they brought up the name roscoe or fatty arbuckle you know they would they couldn't stop thinking oh yeah yeah the guy who was accused of the rape and murder of a, of an actress even though he didn't do anything so yeah it, it it's it, it's pretty sad but yeah i mean i think there's probably more to that that we could get into later on i mean you know like we, there are a ton of uh films that buster's done shorts and his feature films that we can get into and yeah from there like people can explore more silent comedies like i mean if you want to get into chaplin yeah go ahead and get into chaplin even though i mean i'm not want to say that he's overrated but i think chaplin is great and talented but i just think i don't know i just i don't even know how to explain i I don't know you don't like you, 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 you don't like the the hype train inflating him over other people yeah yeah that, that that's fair to say chaplin is good but it's just come on like I, I think people need i think buster and harold lloyd are two underrated stars in the silent comedy era they're they are lauded in by many cinephiles but i just think that he doesn't they don't get it as enough love as chaplin does like Cha- chaplin gets all the accolades in the world and i just think oh i think well speaking of overrated i think that the great dictator is overrated <laughs> so i mean i think really people like talk about i've never it. never seen yeah, it the great... well obviously well, i can talk yeah we can talk about that later on but so the great dictator is that was... that movie's 1940 yeah. it's definitely not silent right it's him talking and stuff the, the great dictator it's uh it's a mixture of uh, oh yeah, well yeah, he 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 does talk, of course, yeah. But Especially is the, that the is that a movie where they take like the actual stuff from Hitler and make like do they add scenes to it or is that something else? You know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He it's a parody on Hitler. But and, like, do they um, take actual scenes from like Germany in like the 30s and like use it in the film, or is it just all? No, okay, no, I don't think so. From from what I remember, no, it's just. Chaplin playing uh, he plays two characters he plays a, a parody of Hitler and he plays a I think a Jewish barber I'm saying I think but um yeah he plays two characters and wow. it gets to the point where at the end you you have like the, the the famous rousing speech about you know uh democracy and a um you know a utopia basically and it's like uh, okay I mean okay maybe I guess this worked for World War Two, but you know you look at it now and I I just it's not it didn't move me i thought it was overrated i mean we can get into that this, much, this is much the dictator later. one where they say that democracy is utopia yeah you know, yeah yeah well he talks about uh you know in the spirit of democracy he he talks about it's basically an anti-fascist film that's what it is yeah well i, I thought it, I, I thought i thought it was overrated i thought it was just overrated the way it was um it, was the prop- way it, was. A, it seems like it was a propaganda film yeah, basically, yeah. It is a propaganda film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Whatever. I prefer City Lights. I love. Yeah, I prefer like. What's up? I was just gonna say on that topic. I love how people are like, I love democracy, and it's like they're American. Most of the people that say that to me 
or in conversations with me are Americans. And I'm like, you realize we don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic. But whatever. People are just stupid. Yeah, we live. Yeah, bros, we live in a constitutional republic, but he, everyone keeps saying, yeah, I know, people. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, and, and, and we, we are voting tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> are you are you working or are you going to be able to vote? I'm, I'm working uh, tomorrow night, uh, flying a red eye. Um, so you, but we'll, we'll see. you, you I mean, might have I a chance. Have, I'm, I think I might have a chance. Yeah. I will be, but yeah. yeah, whatever. People are just short-sighted, but I'll... Exactly. I'll check that movie out at some point. If you were, yeah, if you were recommending, so okay for Chaplin, let's go with him first. If you're recommending, yeah, three movies by him that like, oh, you got to see before you die. What are they? Uh, City Lights, um, The Gold Rush, and well, see, like the I I I feel like these are also kind of generic just for me to to, to name these kinds of films. But I my my first uh. No, my, my first Chaplin was The Kid, and I think that's a great film. The, the Kid is great. Um, City Lights and, oh boy, it's like between Gold Rush and Modern Times. I think right now uh, I'm leaning towards The Gold Rush. So The Gold Rush, City Lights, and The Kid. So basically his, uh, most, his most popular stuff. His most big, yeah. Well, on, 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 on Letterboxd, but is there, like yeah. a, is there a movie... Yeah. Is have, how many have you seen a lot by him or no? I, I've seen the circus and I've seen modern times. The circus, I think, might be could be wrong, but it could be it might be overrated. It might be underrated. Sorry, uh, the circus is, okay. is, is is pretty great. Yeah, um, especially the ending to the circus is actually quite nice. Uh, very, it's very humble, very sweet. Um, <laughs> the same thing with city. I think I think in terms of so like. Now that I'm talking about endings, I, I'll just get into it. I think probably the best ending to a Chaplin film or to, to or to any movie might be in City Lights. The way the way the ending is delivered is it's it's pristine. It's you know you 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 just can't hate it. Like when you take into account the story and when you take into account the way that all concludes, it's very very sweet. And I would say. City Lights is, uh, yeah, I would recommend City Lights is a good place to start with Chaplin. Okay. My mine was the my first movie of Chaplin was the Kid, um, but but yeah, City Lights. I'd say uh, City Lights is, is is really great. Yeah, these guys made so um, many damn films. Like he has, yeah, he's he's made. He was the one silent uh, comedian who successfully made his way into the talkie era. Uh, so he did movies like Limelight. Uh, well, the Great Dictator is it, it has sound, of course, but you know. Oh, I think. Yeah, well, Lar- Laurel and Hardy did it too. Oh, okay. But well, again, there. I don't. From my, you know, limited, limited understanding, I'm Chaplin was a filmmaker, right? I mean, he was directing these as well as acting them, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, I think that Laurel and Hardy technically were just actors, so they're just I, actors. I guess you, okay. you can make you can make that distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah, yeah. Chaplin was definitely a, a, an auteur. He was uh, he was a, a one man army. He really um, delivered what he wanted, you know. Um, but I, right. I don't know. Just I, I do I do like his movies, but for some reason I prefer Buster. Okay. <laughs> Buster's well, since we're talking about the three, Harold Lloyd, you said which ones to which ones would you recommend for people if they've never never checked them out? 
Safety last is a big one for Harold Lloyd. Definitely check out safety last and the freshman. So those, the, those two I, I would recommend. Yeah, definitely recommend. I think Harold Lloyd's also done a good amount of shorts, but I think safety last is one that can have you howling with laughter. Um, okay. Harold Lloyd, also another influence on Jackie. So yeah. when you take, well, when you, well, yeah. So I, I think, you know, this Ben, but like when you like, what, like with project a where Jackie's hanging from the clock, that is a tribute to Harold Lloyd from safety last where he does hang from a clock. Wasn't so, isn't the, isn't the bicycle film in project a, Oh Sorry, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not yeah, film yeah, the, scene, bicycle the, scene. The, 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 the bicycle scene, yeah, that's I, in part. That, that's in Project A. Yeah. I think that's a tribute yeah. to Buster. That, that might be a tribute to Buster, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I think it is. Yeah. Okay, so but safe, yeah, like, safety yeah. last. I'll add that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the freshman. The fre- is that the one with the football? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I was looking. looking at, yeah. I do. Go I on. do. I do know them. Um, like when I say know them, I I the iconic screenshots on uh, the internet, like uh, the safety last one I knew right away with the clock. So, yeah, I love safety last, man. I love that film so much. I mean, uh, I was going to say like, cause I have that on, on, I own that from criterion. I was looking for the freshman uh, today and I couldn't find, I was like, man, I really wanted to get that one, but yeah, uh, Harold Lloyd's work. I do like his work, um, but Safety Last and the Freshman stand out. Safety Last is top tier silent com- comedy, and it's it'll have you howling. With, it'll have you howling with laughter. It's great. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, I can't. You know, <laughs> I got to chill that one. <laughs> okay, so those guys we got. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anybody else from the silent era, like com- comedian wise that. Yeah, I haven't heard of, but we'll we'll get to that. I mean, I'm sure it's going to come we'll up in, in in future episodes. I uh, definitely, yeah, we have a vast slew of uh, people to get to. I'm, I'm sure, but there are still some silent comedians that I haven't gotten to myself. So yeah, well, I think yeah. we'll, we'll be in the same boat. Yeah. Um, but there was one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, just bef- before we end, the that the. Uh, that seven chances was remade in the nineties with a, a Chris O'Donnell film <laughs> with Renee. That is actually true. It's actually true. Oh, sh- yeah. I, I thought I read that somewhere. I mean, like, someone was talking about that. Oh, jeez, oh, oh boy. Okay. I'll look that up. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it doesn't look good. No. And, oh, it, and if, if you, if Renee Zellweger is in it, you know, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I don't like her at all. I will say she doesn't. She does not detract from my from my um my love of Cinderella Man. I love that movie uh, with Russell uh, Russell Crowe. That's the movie that I own. I haven't seen it yet, but I've what? been meaning to. I mean, yeah, I know. I'm a big. Also, I'm like I, I love boxing I, i've been watching boxing since i was a kid so like I, i'm i love of course i'm a big rocky fan I, I stuff like that but cinderella man has been on my it's on my docket and i've been so actually to yeah i actually listened to a podcast with uh the one the one i mentioned already on this show uh midnight movie cowboys they had an episode with a uh, author named james lafond who actually is mm-hmm. i think he's from baltimore where Oh. I'm, I'm kind of from. We'll just say from from now on. I'm just gonna say I'm from Baltimore, but that yeah. might that, that might make people 
the, uh, not want to watch the show. Cause, oh, Baltimore, ew, you know, murder rate, hot, you know, bad. <laughs> but yeah. uh, maybe I'll just say Maryland. But regardless, <laughs> um, yeah, this this author James Lafon writes all these books or whatever, and actually he's like trained, oh. does boxing too. I'm I'm giving you a whole backstory on this guy. It doesn't really matter, but. Yeah, he was in okay. in that interview they had with him. They were talking to him about you know his books he was writing, um, and boxing specifically because it's he he's actually a trainer. Um, he said that Cinderella Man is the most accurate movie ever for boxing. Um, really, the actual boxing really? in it. Yeah, he said he he thinks okay. that's one of the one of the better ones with for boxing. Um, oh boy! All right, I got to check it out. Then. Yeah, I think he was talking. Not, not not talking shit, but he definitely was like, yeah, Rocky, <laughs> Rocky's not real, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I still I like still I, I still like the first one. I mean, the first Rocky is just like for me that whole series. The first one's just like Dirty Harry and uh, Death Wish. Like the first one's kind of serious and and pretty good, and then the the ones after that, the sequels have not. They're not anything like the original movie, and they just use its name for you know, to make money. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. For me, Rocky's the same way. Like the first one was actually like a great, like kind of an arty artsy kind of film, but, uh, yeah. And then you get into the, the the, the next ones are they're blockbusters. They're super eighties. Just like, you know, muscle pumping. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're, they're fun. They're fun. Yeah. They're fun. And then, and then of course, like Stallone wanted to retire Rocky finally, but then, you know, I think he felt bad with Rocky Five, and then made Six, and I still love Six. But then he brought him back for Creed, and it's like, oh gosh, all right, here we go again. And then Creed Two, which he co-wrote. Now there's, yeah. So I oh, they're, they're, I mean, that's just, that's how Hollywood is, man. They're just gonna milk everything yeah. they got. Uh, they're gonna milk it all, man. They're gonna milk it all. Creed Three, I saw the. I, I love. I like the first Creed. I, I still like Creed Two. I'm, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Never, but, never seen. Um, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I just don't Creed have three. It. I yeah. saw the trailer. Michael B. Jordan's following in Stallone's footsteps by directing uh, Creed three himself, and it's his first time directing. Uh, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, oh no, I don't know, I don't know about this one, but uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. See. So yeah, I think that wraps up seven chances. I mean, that's seven chances, guys. Yeah, not Go to watch it. It's free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, any of these old movies, there's probably a free version on YouTube if it's if it's not yeah. remastered. But I think the one exactly. the, the version I the version I found was was definitely an HD. So it's it's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As of version, as of the, as of this recording, it is out there. Um, it's out there. Uh, for our next the next episode, I think I'm I haven't picked it yet. Uh, we'll see how what I subject you to, but it'll probably be oh. a probably be a western. Probably be a Western. <laughs> Most likely a Western. Yeah. So well, I, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Yeah. Wait. Bring on the Westerns. All right. Well, Bring on with, the Westerns. with that, we'll uh, we'll say uh, sayonara. Mm-hmm.